0: Good morning everybody and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Today is a great episode. This is kind of not only a uh year-end video, but it is also kind of a wish list of sorts just to kind of talk about what's next, not only for the podcast, but even some things we like to see within um within like kind of our lives, church life, ministry, everything above. Things we like to hope for for the next year. So joining me is Micah Current. And I guess that's one thing that I'm thinking about retrospective year of end. This is the first time in a long time I have had a co host, and you started right towards the beginning of the year. So it has been a great journey with you, my friend.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And um, I can't believe it's been. I was trying to, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. I'm like, when did I start? And when was like, I knew my first like episode which I went back a couple of weeks ago and listened to that like the the state of worship or Mm -hmm. I think we did too just to kind of dive in and test the waters and Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a great partnership and I've enjoyed every episode and um yeah I think uh it gives us a good chance to reflect on on the year that we've had and kind of like dreaming towards the future and what we want to do and um yeah just glad to be here
0: yeah absolutely and it it is it's just, it, there's just been a lot that has happened uh this year like i can even think about probably one of the first actually one of the first episodes of the year i was still deep in the uh the whole deconstruction series which i started uh last year in the fall and just kind of was progressively going through uh that each week um and then ended up having a um kind of a get together like a reunion episode a couple episodes later on where just kind of where is everyone at? And I thought that was kind of a a good, interesting episode. So, yeah, it's been it's been quite the year. But before we start diving into everything, the Scott Stedman podcast, um, stories gone wild segment. And here I'll throw this little alien up here. Whoa! Because <laughs> why not? It's like it's like a running joke between it's me and Micah. So it's sort of like the. You uh... Uh... I just play with this. It's like my it's like my fidget spinner, but I just like <laughs> move this around before we record.
1: It's it's kind of like the Age of Ultron joke in the Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead podcast. Yeah, it's
0: like the alien.
1: <laughs> these are the days but of the alien.
0: These are the days of the alien. Oh goodness. So you have any weird stories, Micah? Weird story, either something that happened this week or or maybe something that happened through the progression of this podcast you like to remember already
1: already <laughs> this morning um not not so much weird and i think yours is going to top mine hands down this week but um i do social media marketing for a small church in the area that i live mm-hmm. in and um what that means simply is i keep their youtube page up to date i keep their web page up to date i keep Uh, social media up to date and I post, uh, on their platforms, you know, every day during the week and and invite people to church and just kind of, uh, you know, have contracted that workout just to do a couple of, you know, things for them because they don't have somebody that can do it. And I've, I've led worship at that church and I've worked at that church before. And so, um, with our episode last week, when we talked kind of about the, the process of, what churches are doing this year for Christmas with it being on mm-hmm. a Sunday, you know, are they doing Christmas Eve? Are they doing multiple Christmas Eve services? Are they doing Sunday morning? Are they doing Christmas Eve and Sunday morning? Are they doing Sunday morning online only? And so uh, if you haven't yet, you know, go back and check that episode out. Cause it was, I listened to it the other day and it was pretty cool to kind of just reflect on what churches are doing and what they're not doing mm-hmm. specifically in respect to um, the holiday season this year. So anyway, the church that I, um, I do this marketing for Uh, I reached out to the creative arts pastor yesterday and I said, Hey, um, you know, how did service go? Uh, Just wanted to touch base about this week's, you know, social media postings and, you know, Facebook events, if I need to create any and, you know, what is the church doing for, you know, Christmas Eve slash Christmas so that I can promote that online. And uh, he responded back, Scott, with, we're just doing Sunday morning. We're not even going to do a Christmas Eve service and it was completely opposite to everything that we talked about last week in our other episode it was oh, like yeah. the majority of churches are doing christmas eve and they're kind of leaving christmas day in the dust like christmas eve is their big production and uh it's you know most churches you know at least and i when i listen back to our Scott, i don't know what you, i don't Remember if you said what your church is doing or not. um, Yeah, we're
0: doing we're doing Chris we're doing three Christmas Eve services and then we have a combined service because we have two services on on a regular Sunday. We're having one combined service at ten. Okay. So so four services total.
1: Okay. So I was just shocked because most churches like it's. I would almost say that Christmas Eve is one of your bigger services of the year, similar to Easter more so than Christmas on a Sunday. And that sounds terrible coming out of my mouth. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but the production side of things with Christmas Eve, I think would be more like, you know, let's let's just say that you have Christmas Eve on a Thursday and Christmas is on a Friday. And then you have mm-hmm. church that following Sunday, your Christmas Eve, you're going to go out all out for your Christmas Eve service if it's on that Thursday night, right? So yeah. um I was just really surprised um when I messaged him and he was like, you know, I think we're, we're we're actually just doing, we're actually just going to do the, the Christmas day service and we're not doing Christmas Eve. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's surprising because most churches would do the opposite, especially with yeah. the conversation we had last week with most churches doing, you know, one, if not a couple of Christmas Eve services and then doing their Sunday morning experience online only. So it was mm-hmm. kind of surprising to see, it'll be surprising to see how many churches, or, or I'm sorry, how many people actually show up to church on Sunday morning with it being on Christmas and a post, Pandemic mm-hmm. world, like a post-COVID world, with the the church being online, because people can just watch it online. It may not yeah. be their home church, but they'll watch it online, right? They'll watch yeah. that Elevation or whoever. So, yeah, yeah, and, kind of... and,
0: and I feel like, and I feel like with Christmas Eve, like that would be, i like for me, if I was, you know, if I was in the lead pastor position, if I was going to cancel a service, I don't think it'd be Christmas Eve, because I feel like Christmas Eve is usually when you get. All your families' together, they're in town, and then usually Christmas day is stereotypically is when you have your family gathering, you travel for food, you open up gifts, all that stuff so Christmas Eve would be the would be kind of the um the Super Bowl, and sure. then Christmas day is kind of the aftermath um yeah, so I would say. Yeah, so I would. Yeah, that that's definitely is a a bit strange that they decided to do that. What um, what would
1: you if you were planning a service? Like, okay, if like you and I were on staff at a church together, which we're not, and like this is a scenario that we were given. Christmas Eve is on Saturday. Christmas is on Sunday. What would you do? Oh, like, how would you plan? Like, here's what I would do. I would go all out for Christmas Eve, right? And then I would, you know, if we had a gathering on a Sunday, I would. Simply have a Christmas song or two, share the Christmas story, have the pastor, you know, share the Christmas story, reflect on that, maybe share a devotion, pray and get out of there. It would be a quick service. It wouldn't be, it'd be like going to chapel when I was in seminary. Those services didn't last very long at all because the, the sermons yeah. were maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And there yeah, was
0: I would, I I think I would probably do the same thing, just like couple Christmas songs, Nice little Advent reflection or Christmas Day reflection and then maybe sing another song and then
1: pray yeah, and get out of there,
0: pray and go like um and I think that's I think that's good enough, especially if you have had like, especially if you're a church that does like either a late night candle lighting service, which again, you know, it gets dark early this time of day anyway. So you could do a candle lighting service at five. It'd still be dark outside, but, <laughs> but um yeah. So yeah, that would be, um I think that's the way I would probably go unless, unless my Christmas Eve service, I did something a little bit different or I'm going to do something a little bit different on Christmas day. It just depends on how I'm going to uh, do those together. But that usually happens like once every Few years where you have those back-to-back um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day um, uh, sermons. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I'm I'm still recovering from yesterday, so I do apologize, friends. So, where this is where my strange stories going. So, yesterday Sunday, did my typical thing, had church, and then we had a youth Christmas party at my house. Did that. That was good. Good times. And then afterwards, I went to a metal show at a club called the Ace of Cups in Columbus. It was Silent Planet, Phineas, Earth Groans, and uh, Cold Embrace, which Cold Embrace is a local band. All the other, the previous three bands I mentioned were Solid State Band, Solid State Records, um, bands I listened to for 20 bucks. So you can't beat that. So I get, so afterwards youth is over once my last teens leave let my dog out I go to the bathroom get my car I drive out there early and I'm waiting in line and I'm trying to find parking I'm I'm scared to death that my car is going to get towed cuz I'm parking somewhere it's like well there's not a sign that says I'm going to get towed but there's a sign right next to the car saying this is for this person's parking only. You will be towed. I'm like, okay. Oh, I have a really
1: funny story to piggyback off of that when you're done. So go okay. so remind me remind so, me to tell you that.
0: All right, cool. So I don't know if I'm gonna get towed. So then I go and it's like, okay, now I'm debating because I can like I have a on my car I have like a little keypad that I can unlock my door thinking maybe I should throw my keys in here. Then I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to because what if my car gets towed that I don't have my keys? <laughs> in case if someone needs to pick me up and just take me to my house. So I put my keys in my coat. I zip up both my my zippers on my coat so nothing in my pockets fall out. Waiting in line, talking to this guy. We finally get in. There, first of all, you go through the door and it says, absolutely no knives or guns. That's the first <laughs> sign you see when you enter it, <laughs> which you're like, oh, cool. I'm glad I just walked into this place. And then they have a guy who scanning me with a metal scanner saying, did you bring any knives or guns? I'm like, nope. We walk in here and this it's a small venue, but I'm thinking, okay. But they said, oh, you know, they're close to selling out like eight more tickets before they completely have sold every single ticket they have. Okay. So people are coming in. Wonderful. Um, But I go in this place and they have a bar and. People every time when I've been to a venue where I've seen a show where they have a bar, usually you're getting cans or you're getting like plastic solo cups. Mm -hmm. For obvious reasons that you don't if someone gets a little bit too tipsy and you're listening to a metal show, you don't want someone to mess you up. We don't want it to become like an old Wild West saloon in there. <laughs> but this, but this, but this venue was putting alcohol in these nice glass pints, and I'm thinking, apparently they've never had anybody just like crack someone on the side head. And even the guy who I was talking with, standing in line, we're looking at these cups, and we're thinking that's a bad idea. <laughs> Not only that, but then even like if you're just sitting there and you're drinking it and there's a pit going on and you get bumped and you drop that glass, there's going to be broken glass all over the floor that people are stepping on or people are falling on. So I'm like, that's weird. They had a TV there playing the movie Battle Royale, which I don't know if you're familiar with that movie or not. <laughs> like, I'm so I'm like, this place is already weird. So then we get to the show. Opening act plays. They play a couple songs. They're They're good earth groans plays they're good and then it's interesting to see how much the lead singers and metal bands how much they can command the audience because they're like i want you to open this up and then everyone just like it's like the red sea just parts like he's moses and then he's like go and everyone just starts running into each other <laughs> and i'm like the old guy standing in the back it's like i love the music but i'm not getting in the pit But more people are still coming into the building to the point where now I'm shoulder to shoulder. There's people who are trying to walk through to get to the bar and walk back to their spot. So I'm constantly getting pushed back, and I'm right by the soundboard. So every time I'm pushing back, I'm leaning against the soundboard. I'm like, this isn't going to be good. So Earth Groans plays. They're done. They do a sound check. And again, I have earplugs in. And it still sounds loud with me having both my plugs in correctly, which made me wonder how, as a kid, I would stand right next to a speaker during like a punk show and not have any ear protection. Just stupid me. But end of it, Phineas is playing. Everyone's getting rowdy. People are pushing. I'm finally pushed so much, so three people go back into me. I go back, and another person goes back. to standing by the soundboard. Soundboard's about to go out, and luckily there's another person who's behind me who grabbed the soundboard and pushed it back so that it wouldn't fall over. And all the while, Micah, what do you think is the clientele for metal shows? Who shows up to metal shows besides weird me?
1: Metalheads?
0: You would think so, but what? how would you describe a metal head, like, by their look?
1: Are you, to, to, like, how they're dressed and how their hair? How they how they
0: looked, hair, everything.
1: How, you know, because I went through this phase in high school, I, you know, would wear all black and paint my fingernails black and uh, wear eyeliner and spike my hair. Or At one point, I grew my hair really long, and I wore chains and spikes and studs and had my ears pierced. And, yeah. All that stuff. And
0: that would have been and that would have been exactly me going to a punk show. I would wear like the get to go to Quantin Hut, get the leather bracelets with the spikes on it, like act like I'm a spike my hair, color it. I go to the show and literally it's like maybe one guy was dressed like that. Like had the black makeup on, looked like he was like a vampire that just rose from the dead and wanted to go to a metal show before he had to go back to his coffin. No, there's people who are like wearing crocs and khakis, and polos. It's like stuff I wear to work. And people are There was someone wearing a Bengals jersey and like a baseball cap. I'm thinking, man, times have changed. It's like normal people just walking into this place and just like, oh, hey, I'm here to see a metal show. Um, there's people who, you had young kids, you had people who are me, you had like, like grandpas in the back doing that. I was like, This is like the weirdest like crowd. So make a long story short, everything was great. I start to leave. And of course, when you leave, there's no re re I leave, I walk to my car. I can't find my keys. And I only have like 3% battery life left on my phone. I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? So I walk all the way back. And this is why I think metal shows are great because even though there's that perception of people who are brooding and dark and want to beat up people, I mean, people are having fun. People, if someone falls down, everyone stops, picks them back up. It's, it, and, and everyone's just so nice. So I get back to the thing going, they go, hey, what's up, man? I go, hey, I can't find my keys. Literally, this guy just picks up, here, here's your keys, sir. I'm like, oh, thank you. So I grabbed my keys. I was able to go home. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so I I tell that story because I know some of our people who listen, they probably have never been to a metal show in their life. But I'm going to tell you, it's not as scary as you think it is. It's like going to like a corporate business meeting with like loud music. (laughs) Imagine sitting in a church boardroom and then you just have like a guy like wailing on a guitar and going... But it's been the it's been one of the better shows I've been to. I've been to sub metal shows where everyone just stands there, and as the lead singer is like, "Let's go!" and no one's no one's moshing, no one's something. But man, everybody was getting into it. It was it was fantastic. But I'm definitely paying for it now.
1: So. I think I asked you before we started recording if uh, you just felt too old at this point.
0: <laughs> I, I felt like I was starting to feel a little bit of pain. Just because I've been on my feet all day, and mainly that was just because of me getting up, going to church, being on my feet all day, going up and downstairs, on my feet, cooking up for the youth party, playing games with the youth, and then going to a show. Like, if this was on a Friday or a Saturday, I probably would have been fine. But Sunday, towards the end, I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel the aches in my knees and my ankles and my back. Like, eh, yeah. That's my body saying, okay, you need to lay down and rest because you've overextended yourself today. (laughs) My battery in my phone was getting low, and the battery of my soul was getting low, too. It needed to recharge. (laughs) (laughs) So, you said you had a funny story about parking.
1: Well, not necessarily a funny story, but um, my best friend from college, Cole, um, Mm -hmm. he... We went to this was I don't even remember what year this was, but we were in Columbus. We were at a sh- we we're going to a show, and Cole decided to park in a Wendy's parking lot, and there was no signage that said "Don't park here. This is private property." Uh, we get done with the show, and his car's gone. His car got towed and impounded. Oh wow, that was an all-nighter. So the fin- the funny part of that story is that cole to this day and this has been over a decade ago um has not stepped foot in the wendys (laughs) he's held a grudge against wendys and will not go either the wendys to this day
0: that's funny that's (laughs) funny so so micah thinking back to this year of the scott Simmons podcast what were some of your um perspectives what were some of your favorite episodes to record um and, and everything in between, like, well, how? I mean, again, you're, you're new. You're, you just kind of signed on as co-host. We did a, Like you said, we did a couple episodes and then I think one of the episodes I officially announced that you were my co-host. So, so tell me about that journey.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I shared this on, on the other podcast that I, I record on frequently with, with Jordan Halstead. And, um, mm-hmm. the, a dream of mine for years and years was to, to, to podcast, um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I didn't know how to do it, but I also wanted to do it with other people and and kind of uh who shared you know those interests with me and uh to my passions or ministry and 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 comic book nerd nerddom I guess that's the right word for it um and just really talk about uh my passion for ministry and passion for for being a nerd and so uh the the journey is kind of simple, though, right? It's like I've always wanted to do it, and within you know the same year, Jordan got a hold of me and asked me if I wanted to jump on an episode of of uh, Nerd Talk, and you know, it's funny because I ended up being the co-host on that, and I am the co-host on that, and I think my very first episode, if I if I look back on it, I think it was with you, and we did an episode on Wandavision, the Disney Plus series for Marvel, yeah. Where, um, then yeah. you and I kind of talked, and I started jumping on your show, and you know, the rest is history. But uh, if I could pick, I, it's hard to, you know, we've, there's 52 weeks in a year. So if I could pick two or three uh, episodes that were my favorite, probably the, one of the first ones I did with you, which was the worship episode, the the state of worship, um, you know, post COVID um, and another episode we did was like on communications and marketing. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And then probably the preacher's kid episode uh, talking about me being a pastor's kid and Jordan being a pastor's kid and you being a pastor's grandkid, I guess is the right right verbiage. But all three of those episodes were, uh, were pretty powerful to me. And, um, you know, I full disclaimer, I go back every week and I listen just to make sure I don't sound like a complete and total, uh, (laughs) <laughs> <a> buffoon <laughs> on your show, uh, yeah. but but yeah, it's um, it's cool to to see what we do come to life through the power of podcasting, through the power of the internet, through the power of just speaking about our experiences. And um, the uh, the interesting piece of that is, you know, you and I are both ordained in the Church of God, Anderson, and we've we've shared that numerous times on the show, but like they're they're kind of uh wanting to do this five year review thing with ordained mm-hmm. pastors and uh you and I had this discussion on the phone a couple of weeks ago but it's like does this count as a ministry and i would say yes mhm because you know we're recording and we're talking about you know tough and difficult topics that revolve around the church and revolve around ministry and Uh, And especially
0: topics where you can't really have those discussions from the pulpit, from the pulpit. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yep. And so, uh, you know, this is a a less formal approach for sure, but this could reach somebody uh, anywhere, literally anywhere. Um, And so, yeah. uh, And, you know, I have a background in in pastoral care and so do you, Scott. And so Mm -hmm. like, it's, the, the, I think, I look back on the, the pastor's kid episode, man, that was a lot of therapy right there. There was a lot yeah. of healing that came and a lot of, uh, deep, I guess, woundedness that came from that. And, mm-hmm. um, some of the experiences we had to go through as children being in a pastor's home, um, is still kind of, it still kind of sneaks into this day. You know, you may have a rough day and part of that may be a result of, you know, feeling inferior or, uh, you know, like just feeling that, you know, I'm not good enough to do this, or I don't want to do this because I know how people are going to respond and, you know, how church, you know, church people or lay people can act within the church. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just all of those things are just a reminder that, you know, ministry is tough. And so, um, it's just been an honor to do this for the last, you know, several months. And yeah, those, those are just a couple of my favorite episodes. What about you?
0: Oh, man, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of great episodes that dropped this year. And I think probably the first one would be when I got during the deconstruction series last year, I got reconnected with my with my roommate at Anderson Phil. And we talked about his story, how he grew up in the Church of God and actually went to Church of God school, dropped out. And then eventually he started going to like a lot of these different churches, like Protestant churches. And he just felt like there was a lot of issues he had uh, with them. And then he started um, talking to a girl and they were dating and they really liked each other. And then she kind of dropped that she was Catholic and thought that would scare Phil off. And he said, no, and then he actually ended up becoming a Catholic. And so that was a, so that was a story of someone who is a Protestant going Catholic. So that was a great story, but, me and him actually joined together because both of us, towards the end of last year, started listening to uh, the Rise and Follow Mars Hill podcast. So the very first episode of this year, we um, talked about that podcast and just some reflections on that. So I thought that was a pretty good episode. <clears throat> There's an episode I did with women in ministry, and it was me and I think it was Mary Stevens and Shannon New Spangler. And we just kind of talked about some of the challenges they had in ministry, kind of like what we did with um, with Dr. Flynn. Um,
1: that would be, yeah, that was another one that was awesome. Yeah,
0: that was that. That one's, pro- that one's probably towards the year end. That's probably like one of our better ones we did. I re- But it was just nice hearing their side of being in ministry and kind of some of the um, challenges they had, but even some of the great things they had. And then, um, wow, there's... <laughs> it's hard it's hard i think um you talked about the pastor's kid one kind of being like a good dot conversation and a thing of a therapy and i would say probably um i think for me just kind of talking about um not only transitions but our transition because we had two transition episodes as we were kind of transitioning in ministry but even just talking about you know um Politics and should pastors preach politics in the church. It's 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 very interesting because, um, you know, we talked a little bit about that. And then there's been a couple of times being here where the pastor has not really explicitly talked about politics, but she'll bring like things that's happening in the political world up, but then kind of not necessarily let's talk about it and debate it, but more of like, okay, let's look at this event through the lens of scripture and how does scripture speak to this? And yeah. it's like one of those things, how well everyone receives that. And I was thinking, like, you know, you know, some churches, if if a pastor was to do that, I don't think they would have received some of that well. Or they might have received it too well, you know, where they're like cheering and yelling, USA, USA in the congregation. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say those were some of the kind of the big ones for me. Just like looking back and and thinking about all those. Um, we also episodes. did the one it's
1: on uh, Hillsong, the documentary. Hillsong, oh yeah, we did the Hillsong
0: documentary. There's yeah. been a yeah, and then we also did one on the Matt Chandler scandal, which there's there's an update on that one.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because
0: yeah, he's back. He is back. He's back, and they prayed he- for him, and they. Reinstated him and yeah,
1: that's a whole thing. We need to do another episode on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, so let me just roll right into that one. Things I would like to see next year. Yeah, not necessarily for podcasting, but just in church life in general. We gotta stop with then, we gotta stop with the whole scandal thing. I mean, with the Mars Hill stuff, which I think was great. Uh, Hillsong, song. I think, is great. But I feel like, and not necessarily let's not have any more scandals, let's keep everything quiet. But I just am tired of seeing when you read some of these things, they're very, they follow a certain pattern where, and a lot of times that pattern is, is you're just going to continue to defend the person behind the pulpit while victims continue to kind of fall. And it has to be something major, like, major explosive it would almost be like and i think matt chandler's church is in i want to say it's in texas maybe i'm it, wrong it is it is okay but it'd have to be something like the san antonio times doing expose on the church and really bring up a lot of dirt kind of like what they did with the with a couple churches in the sbc which brought up a bunch of stuff that they're still trying to navigate and figure out to these years i just feel like Churches just need to chill be transparent out. they need to chill out they need to transparent and they need to really have third party people investigate everything and not do it within church, especially when it comes to things like if they're just like little like church arguments, but if it's anything that has to deal with abuse or Toxic worst plague environment, you really need a third party to come in and just basically assess everything and and give their report. And whatever the church does with that report, if they decide, okay, we're going to take action and they're going to throw it in a trash can, like, you know, they need to do that. Because anytime when anything gets handled in-house, especially when it's a big major thing, I feel like the... MO is always to protect. We're going to protect the best interests of our church. And by protecting that, that means we're going to hide everything from the church. And then once it gets exposed, it's not necessarily the minister gets damaged because that's always the focus. Oh, the minister, his whole life is over. No, like it's the people in the congregation that suffer the most.
1: Yeah. Well, and if I could Uh, piggyback off of that really quickly, like the, it, I'm not saying that these, these things don't happen. And we've done episodes on this, and I've been in churches where scandals have happened and bad things have happened and embezzlement has happened and you know affairs have happened and XYZ, but it it seems like over the last year or two, it seems like we 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 do church on Sunday and then Monday we turn the news on and it's like what church got caught in a scandal, right? Mm -hmm. Stop getting bad press for the church. Stop it. Like it just it just seems like it almost seems like a trend, right? Like what's trending on Twitter this week? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Elevation Church or it's, you know, Bethel or it's the Southern Baptist Convention or it's the, you know, the Driscoll thing at Mars Hill or it's like, and again, I'm not saying those things are happening. I'm just saying that like, we need to stop drawing negative attention to the church and we need to be better leaders and not mm-hmm. let that stuff leak over into the public sector, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think even with that too, we we shouldn't buy too much into the Twitter kind of the Twitter postings or the TikTok postings because I mean it's very easy to look at something and go, oh wow, this is crazy. But you're only seeing a snapshot. It's like it's like when you see well, those, some of it's like,
1: hysterical. Like you sent me the, yeah. the little drummer boys like floating in the auditorium of their church for their <laughs> Christmas Eve production. That's yeah. hilarious. But, like, when that guy who is married is doing oh. like a Tinder app, and like, how cringy is that? You don't need that stuff. Stop it. Get it out yeah. of there. It's just absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, ew. yeah. It's if there's, so if there's one thing I am very good at finding, it's either the hilarious and the cringy. And sometimes <laughs> it, it, it teeters on that line. It's like a balancing act. And you're always and I'm between... like, I got to send this to mm-hmm. Micah. And I got, maybe I need to stop. Don't send it to Micah. Just going to make him more <laughs> sad about all this stuff.
1: No. No, like, between you, my brother, and my wife, my inbox and uh, TikTok is super full all the time. (laughs) Between these hilarious videos and these crazy videos, these cringy videos. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like, stop. Like, and and I guess if I could just continue on that for a second. Like, I just think that it's... People already have a bad perception of the church. Yeah. Right? And they don't need to turn on the news or flip on social media on their phone and see this pastor... Had an affair. This pastor is the pastor of a church of you know sixteen thousand people, and you know he had inappropriate messages on Instagram with somebody else. Uh, They weren't sexual in nature, and like it just it gives the church a bad rap and it confuses people even more. You already have maybe a sour taste in their mouth about being in the church in general. So it's just that's I guess that's what I mean. Again, I'm not saying that those things don't happen, but at the same time, it's very frustrating to to see. You know, and I think you're right, Scott. It's just every week. Or every, you know, every month or, you know, every, you know, couple of months we're seeing new stories about uh, tragedies that are happening in the church. And we just need to stop with the, Mm -hmm. I guess, the over-publicization, if that's a word, of of bad press in the church. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we already live in a world that's, you know, struggling quite a bit. We don't need to add to it with the church stuff.
0: And and especially for uh, last week's, uh, when I did my uh, sermon, my speaking engagement at Capitol, you know, I talked a little bit about, um, in my message, I kind of briefly mentioned about, you know, the Good Samaritan and how as a kid, watching the local news, yeah, you'd always hear about all the bad stuff that's happening, but they always made sure that there'd always be like a Good Samaritan or a Good News segment that was... That was good. So that's how I. That was like kind of like my first take of what a good Samaritan was. I thought, oh, just be just be good and kind to people because that's what I witnessed on the news when I would sit there with my grandma before she had to watch Days of Our Lives. Um, so it's um yeah yeah. What about you, Mike? I know we've been talking about this topic, but what's something you'd like to see not only future discussions to talk about on the podcast but just feature things within like the world or christendom that you would like to see or things that we need to stop doing like Chris, and stuff.
1: is christendom a word
0: i don't know i'm just i just made it up
1: pretty early in the morning
0: it is it is true uh, that's why i'm drinking Chris, that's, why I have, that's why i have the big, <laughs> that's why i have the pint of coffee today <laughs>
1: instead of christianity today it's christendom today by scott Christian christendom today um, that's my new podcast christendom yes, that's today not by a, scott Stebbins. <laughs> that's not a that's not a mouthful um <laughs> i you know i was thinking about it this morning and like last night as i was reflecting and trying to think about some episodes that we should do this coming year and one of the i i want to have a candid conversation about the church of god mm and how I feel about it, how you feel about it, how we feel it's going, um, where do we think it's going, uh, and be just brutally honest about it. It's, mm. uh, it's to me, it's not lost uh, on me thinking about the future of the Church of God and... We had, you know, Jeanette Flynn on a couple of weeks ago and, you know, she's brutally honest and she's held leadership roles with, you know, larger roles within leadership in the national spectrum, you know, on and off for her entire career. And at one point was considered for the general director position, I think. And Mm. uh, just I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm hurt about it. You know, I feel a little bit broken and a little upset. And just the idea of where are we in 10 years, right? You know, where are our parents who serve in ministry in 10 years? Where are, uh, where is the church or I'm sorry, the movement in 10 years uh, in respect to what we know and, and how many churches are, are still active. And just having a candid conversation about, you know, what we think of the church of God and, you know, Scott, I'd love to hear your opinion. I mean, you know, you're serving in a UMC church right now and, you know, one day, would you go back to a Church of God Anderson church? Would you, I mean, you've kept your credentials. I've kept my credentials. I, I've served in, in multiple churches over the last couple of years that are not Church of God, uh pers- you know, Church of God Anderson. But uh yeah, just having a candid conversation about that. And then uh kind of another episode I've thought about was, you know, what if we had our wives on? Mm -hmm. And had the conversation, you know, with our wives about, you know, we did a pastor's kids episode. What if we had a, you know, pastor's wives episode where, you know, we get their perspective and their take on being uh, a spouse of a pastor. And, you know, what does that look like in 2022? And, you know, for that it'd be 2023 by the time we record that episode. But like, you know, what are their thoughts on ministry? What are their thoughts on being married to clergy, somebody who serves in the ministry? And what kind of toll does it take on them? Uh, yeah being married to uh pastor so mm-hmm. that's another episode I thought about and then yeah. you know finally uh, I would just love to have kind of like an interview series where mm-hmm. we just interview different pastors that we know and, and just have a candid conversation similar to what we did with Jeanette Flynn
0: mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah and I yeah those all sound great and I think those are great ones I know for me it's it's, it's been interesting because ever since Actually, I think it's ever since uh, the fall of last year, I've kind of mostly spoken on stuff more about religion, where when I first started this podcast, it was always about religion and psychology and even things of entertainment too. And even though I still love talking about psychology and even still like looking at like film and pulling out spiritual themes from certain films, like I just feel like I'm kind of, been content with just because there's I think there's just so much going on within the Christian world not only at large but even within our own movement and yeah like I think I think you and I have kind of like laid eggs to talk about some of our frustration with um just kind of some of the things happening within the COG but then I think having that episode with Jeanette Flynn like really she like hatched those eggs, <laughs> like like she, she hatched those eggs. And I mean, and I know you mentioned, and again, like I've kind of been like pseudo quiet about me serving in a UMC church, but the only reason why I'm serving in a UMC church is because the church of God system. I'm trying to find a placement for church of God. Ministers has been flawed. Minister yeah. connector wasn't working. It was broken. And then they finally took it down. And For a pastor who has two kids and a wife and need to find a job, I have to go through different church job hunting sites to just find work, to do ministry. And, you know, so, yeah, like, you know, you asked the question, would I ever go back to the Church of God? Yeah, I I love the Church of God. I would love to serve in the Church of God church. At the same time, I feel like, you know, God has called me here and um, it has been evident too. because. Because there's been a lot of things at the church I'm working at now that they've kind of there's certain things that they have missed, I guess as far as certain things with not necessarily like things with their theology or things within like their leadership, but I think just not having a
1: well there's a lot of like transparency,
0: for, yeah, I mean more transparency, but even not even having a leader for children and youth that have lasted longer than a year and how that has affected the church because they haven't had anyone who has not only been the pastor to parents to not only the children and the youth here, but been a pastor to the parents and really been there to mentor them and to love them and do it for a long period of time. And I mean, that's the thing. I think that's one of the, the blessings and the curse of the UMC is since everything's appointed, if you're a pastor and you're like, okay, I'm done here. You know, the bishop of the UMC will say, Okay, we're gonna put you over here, and they'll move you, and you will you have the security of having a place to serve and a place to, you know, but sure. at the same or, time, or you're,
1: or you're they like could a place say, for a number of years.
0: Yeah. Or at the same time, they could say, you know, you're doing a great job here. We think your skills could be could really help benefit this church. You're gonna move you, and you've only been there for two years, and especially From what I see from church statistics, it takes about seven years for a church to completely buy in and trust the leadership and kind of really 100% take hold and move in the direction that the pastor or the leader has forward. And it's like 13 years before you actually start seeing the fruit of that. And yet you can't see any fruit when you're constantly cutting your crops every three years you get a little bit of growth, you cut it down and it's not even pruning. You have to like grow something from, sometimes you have to grow something from just a seed and white when it has a little bit of a sprout, you're pruning a sprout and it's like, it's not going to grow. And I think that's, I think in some ways, that's kind of a, an issue with church in general. And just how we're seeing, you know, just less than three years as far as a lead pastor's, Time in church, but even within our movement, I think, Michael, you've mentioned it a couple of times, eighteen months is the, yeah. is the average for longevity of a lead pastor role in the Church of God, which is sad. No wonder our Church of God churches are closing every year. And I mean, churches are closing every year in general, but no wonder our little small. But for a small movement, one door, two door churches closing is a big deal because we're not that big and, right. and we try to be big, but I feel like, like Jeanette says, we don't have any type of vision in some ways. Like we have a vision, but we don't have a good foundation because we've kind of said, well, we have no creed. We have no creed, but then, then who are we?
1: Yeah. Well, and two, we? yeah, exactly. And two the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, painting this picture of what we're not is you know this it's very like when when jim Lyon took over and i think it was like 2013 or Mm -hmm. 2012 or something like that like he i remember staying or sitting at the the national convention of the church of god in oklahoma city at crossings community church and like jim Lyon walked out and he has this team right and this team's going to cover the Pacific Northwest and and the Southwest and the Northeast and the, you know, the Southeast and Canada and the world and beyond. And it's like, that's all great. But like, what, how am I supposed to know what's going on? I guess is what I'm saying. And so like, not everybody can make it to conventions. Some people are by vocational pastors. Some people, you know, don't have the money or the means to travel and do those things. Uh, And I'm not saying, go back to the glory days of having Anderson camp meeting. By any means. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's hard to to navigate some of that stuff if you've got churches that are smaller in nature and they don't support that kind of stuff and they don't understand that because oh, okay. It's the Scott Stebbins Church of God, but like okay, we're this small little church, but we don't really know anything on a on the macro scale of who who we are or what we believe and why. So, you know, another another set of topics that would be pretty cool to have a conversation not not necessarily a debate but a conversation but like talk about things like grace and salvation yeah and other and other you know deeper you know theological conversations where uh you know not to sit there and proclaim that we know the answers of the right answer, but to, ha- <laughs> but, to, but to have like yeah. those, those those deeper you know intimate conversations about you know I had a conversation in the coffee shop a couple of weeks ago about um about salvation and she was like Aren't you ordained in the Church of God? And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Well, what do they mean? In, or what do they believe in reference to salvation? I'm, be, I'm like, Well, if you believe in Jesus, you know, Jesus is Lord and Savior, then you, you're, you're going to be saved. But we also believe in in backsliding and and falling away from from Christianity and and our belief in God. And uh, this person was was Baptist, and so yeah. the whole conversation was brought up about you know security, eternal security, and yeah, you know, once saved, always saved, and. You know she's like, "Well, why would you believe that?" And I was like, well, I, it's just you know we got into a deeper conversation so not to to belabor that i I just think that it would be cool to have a conversation you know different conversations about different things you know we did we yeah. did things like we talked earlier in the year about like elements like communion and we talked about yeah. you know offering you know tithes and offerings and and other different pieces of church yeah,
0: kind of like more kind of like more like church practices, but not really deep dive theology stuff, which I think that'd be a great topic too, especially since I'm working on my doctorate. And part of my big emphasis is on John 13 through 17, which in John 13 is foot washing, which is considered an ordinance of the church of God. Yeah. Um, and not and all churches even just, do that. Not all churches do that. And then also just, you know, I, I work in a church now where they don't have ordinances, they have sacraments. Yeah. And how that's, and how a sacrament and an ordinance and what's the difference between those two and, and why that's, why that's important. Um, yeah, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. So, and I think all that to say is that, you know, it's not like, sometimes, I'm not going to say it's not like, but sometimes it is where it's just like, hey, we're going to talk about this today. <laughs> and it's just like kind of like two days or maybe not even a day of prep <laughs> when we get on here to record. But I think, you know, but at the same time, there's also things that are circling through Mike and I's head that we were, there were stuff that we're thinking about and talking about. And I mean, especially love, I think even I mentioned it to Laura about doing like a pastor wives episode and she's like, Oh yeah, that'd be fun. to Like talk about yeah. that and kind of talk about ministry from that perspective. Cause there's a lot of times where we'll talk about stuff. Just generally she goes, you know what I hate is you'll go, you know what I hate about being a pastor's wife. I go, what? It's like, in any other profession, if you want to interview for a job, it's just you, right? But when you're a pastor, when you interview for a job, it's not just you; it has to be your spouse too. You have to interview your spouse,
1: yeah. and, well, I, and I don't know. Like, and that actually, too. that
0: was that was one thing we talked about with um with um when I talked with Mary and uh, Shannon, is I, I mentioned that to them, like, hey, does your husband have to be interviewed? And they <laughs> said no. So it's like, so why is it that male pastors, if they have a, if they're married, they want to interview the wife, but when it's a female minister, they don't interview the husband, which I thought was, which is interesting. I think one of them said yes, one of them said no. So I think it depends on the church, but yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit weird. Like, why do we have to bring? Uh, I mean, I, and I don't know, like, Mike, I don't think you've ever taken a leap. lead role that i know but i mean did did like when you and alicia when you guys were finally married like when you're applying for a worship leader gig did they have to interview alicia
1: i don't i don't think that (laughs) i don't think that she was like interviewed per se but like we always like when i would go have a conversation with the church you know if it was elders or if we went out we would go out to dinner with like a group of people and it would be elders and staff and things like that. And it would be like less formal, but it would be, you know, a chance for them to get to meet us and they would ask her questions and, and, and things like that, but like not yeah. like a formal interview process.
0: Um, uh-huh. Yeah. No. Okay. But, All right.
1: but yeah, like, well, but like I said, I'm not doing, you know, the lead pastor thing. Yeah. Well, but, You know, back to the other, you know, real quick about the church of God thing. Like, it's just like something that Jeanette said a couple of weeks ago. It's like, they're not asking us. Nobody's asking us. And i and like, and I, and I think my response to Jeanette in that episode was they don't ask us. And I don't want a survey in my inbox on my email about what kind of news outlet do you watch? Or where do you go to church? Or how many people go to your church? Or like. Those are those are statistics and analytics that you need for, for your for your denomination and your movement however, you're not asking me about the struggles that I'm going through as a pastor every week to the point where I don't want to serve in a local church because you're not giving me the resources I need and if we're a movement, then like why do, why do I not have those resources? I don't need a yeah. pamphlet about CWC. I don't need a pamphlet about you know Advent for this year. I need resources that are going to help me further the kingdom of God through the local church that I serve.
0: And, and 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 that's the thing, because like, yeah, like I if you it's like, well, we are reaching out to you because you fill out these surveys. Well, I mean, I, I take a, I mean, I look at Barna because I, I do have an account with Barna Group. So I'll occasionally like get to look at all their research. And here's the thing about their research. They're not just putting out a survey like a, here. Here's an email and survey. They call people and they'll talk to people and they'll say, hey, you know, and they'll do the same thing, like on a scale from one to seven, like how satisfied. But then they'll ask why. And they and they and it's everything's recorded. So then, even in their reports, like they'll say, okay, you know, seventy three percent of pastors feel completely burned out within a year or two of ministry. And then they'll have these sound bites with these quotes from real people that say, "Here's kind of the struggles I have." Okay, so what are our? And then it's not and for them, Barna especially, they're just reporting this report out and saying, "Hey, here's the real thing, and here's how we're kind of interpreting the data." And, and and people's testimonies. But that's the thing. It's like we don't hear anything about what the ch- church is going to do. Occasionally we'll hear about all the good that the movement's doing. Like, hey, here's this cute little story about how this church in Memphis is doing this. Well, fantastic. I would love to do something like that. But how do I do it? Or what resources do I need to do or what like what was kind of the starting point of that seed and how did it get worked out and how did leadership get behind that? Because once I understand the full story, I can go, okay, I have now tools to try to approach my board with trying to do something different about doing a radical change in our church, especially when I have an elder board that is highly resistant to change. Yep. So here's how someone who has a very similar situation as I do was able to do it. Let me see if, if I can try to do the same thing and see if I can have the same results. And it's like, it's nothing. It's like these feel good news store. It's almost like they're putting a band aid. It's our, I bet you anything. It's like the great and powerful Oz. We see this great spectacle of here's everything great happening in our movement. And yet we see one person back there pulling all the levers and gears. And it's like, we just need, I think, just for all the pastors, they need something, and then they rely on their. And then, you know, I think national would say, "Well, you have your state minister." Well, I know, like in state, ministry, let's have a conversation like, about that. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, I think about state ministers. I mean, I mean, as much as I love, as much as I love talking to our state ministers, they can't do it all.
1: Or and they can't do but they, and but they, they also can, have,
0: and sometimes they don't even have the resources to do it.
1: Well, they also don't have. Sometimes, if uh, depending on how your board is set up, your eldership is set up, and the structure of your Bibles of your church, they may or may not even have any. They may not have a say in the matter at all, right? Yeah. They can just encourage you to do this or do that or resign or or, or you know, tell you that it's time to move on. But they can't. They literally cannot come into a church and tell you how to do something.
0: Exactly. And it's not, and we don't really need them, but we need the resources. And a lot of times resources is like, well, here, here's my here's my two cents. And, you know, but basically it's kind of whatever you want to do. And it's like.
1: Yeah, it's very frustrating.
0: I mean, I think the only time I had anything was when there was a bunch of weird stuff going on and there was like these accusations against me. And I actually contacted the state. I contacted the state, said, hey. Is there any way we can get a third party to investigate that? Because I feel like I'm saying one thing, someone else is saying the other thing, and it's kind of a very dicey situation. And luckily they said, yeah, we could send our credential team out to investigate everything. I said, okay. And then once I brought that up to my elder board, then pretty quickly the the naysayers were like, yeah, no, thank you. and the, And they left the church, which, you know, good for them good for me too so yeah but i mean that was probably the extent that i actually saw someone say okay here's what we can do and if you want me to do it talk and it was more like here's what we can do bring it up to your board say here's what we can do and then depending on what they say if they want to go proceed we will set something up and we will proceed it's like okay great and sometimes that's all you really need Is just having someone, again, like I talked about having a third party come in and just assess things and see things and kind of say, okay, not necessarily we're taking sides, but looking at the whole thing and going, okay, yeah, this is a little unhealthy. I would suggest you make this change in your bylaws because obviously this does not reflect kingdom values, (laughs) you know, so I don't know. But anyway, we're getting towards the end, but friends – Thank you so much for listening to us. And again, thank you for being with us on this journey. I know years past, it's always hit and miss, depending on when I put an episode, I think this is the first year that I've actually had consistency and episode every Friday. Uh, mainly that was because of me and my transition and having a lot of free time on my hand. And also I have a, uh, have this guy keeping me accountable. Hey, whenever are you doing something? <laughs> hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Like, okay, let's go. Cause if it's me, I run out of ideas. So it's always good to have another brain in the room to say, Hey, what about let's talk about this. This is a good idea. So friends, thank you so much. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll pitch this to you. If there is a topic as someone who is a church member or church leader, and you're just like, man, I really don't know what to do with this or I'm having a hard time struggling with this, or maybe you're someone who you're ordained in a certain denomination and over time, as you're reading the word of God and you're thinking, oh, my theology is changing. You know, the SBC believes this, but I don't believe this. Like, how do I, how do I deal with that? Like, you know, some of my belief systems not lining up with the denomination that I'm ordained in and how do I navigate that? You know, something like that, you know, let us know, stitch it in the comments, on both our Facebook page or actually I have a Facebook page, but I don't think anyone's on there, but Facebook page, our YouTube channel, or even just send us an email through my website, thescottstemon.com. Send us an email, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll, we'll try to tackle some of those uh, topics that you guys have, but guys, thank you so much again. This is Scott and my co host Micah. Hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll see you guys next year. Take care.